Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. So Father, thank you today for the privilege we have to come before you to celebrate Palm Sunday, uh, which is your triumphant entry to Jerusalem, the beginning of the Advent. Uh, And we thank you, even though we're sitting in our homes, we still have this privilege to celebrate because we know we have the victory. And we thank you. I just pray that this word we pierce through the screen and come into everyone's heart. I pray your presence. We envelope every home, every room where this has been listening to, and your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start by reminding you again of our response. You know, it doesn't matter your theology, what you think. This is the God judgment of God. This is the devil bringing it. Uh, This is uh, the end of the world. I just believe we can be different in all that, but we cannot be different in how we, as the body of Christ, respond to crisis. This is a monumental crisis, and we must respond. Number one, all right, you must pray. Humility and prayer is very important. The Bible says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep no silence and give him no rest. So we can keep quiet, and that's why we're going to continue our 9 p.m. prayer. If you have not been joining us, this is historic. I want you to please join. I want you to make your mark in history by responding the way God wants you to respond. If you're a child of God, a born-again believer, you have a responsibility to respond to this crisis in humility and prayer. Thank you for people who have been joining. We've been having incredible response every night, crying to God, and we're going to continue until we see the results. We're not going to stop. Number two is love and generosity. We must respond by being generous. Our giving to one another, our giving to God, we can't withdraw that. But, we, but generosity is not just about money. Some of you don't have money. This is a time to be generous with your time with your encouragement, with your, you know, checking on the elderly, checking on people who, you know, you know, are maybe by, their, by themselves. That is being generous. So this is not a time to just focus on you, your safety, you know, your, you know, security alone. As a child of God, God is protecting you, and you need to be the hands and feet of Jesus to others. So I want to encourage you. This is a time to increase your love and generosity. Faithfulness to the preaching of the gospel is the third thing I've given to us, and I want you to continue to do that. And the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'm going to speak to you on what I call living from God's rest. You know, living from God's rest. 
uh, it's a very important message and it's a very consequential message. It takes a lot of attentiveness, so I want you to please be attentive uh, to understand this because some truths are eternal. Some truths are so fundamental that, and they are like foundational. If you don't get them, even though you build your Christian life uh, you know, without them, it will be weak. And that is what we are going to talk about today. Hallelujah. Um, first of all, I want to start by saying God is still in control of 2020. For those of you who are tempted to say, you know, maybe this is a lost year. Maybe this year is gone. You know, this year, in fact, I saw someone, uh, a, funny, a funny picture of somebody that took his bag and wanted to go back to 2019. And it's like, you know what, 2020 is not doing well. I think I'm just going to go back to 2019. I know some of you are just saying, you know, if you can do a fast forward and just, you know, fast forward 2020 and just go to 2021 already. You know, don't let us do that. I believe with all my heart, this is still the year that the Lord has made. I want you to remind yourself, this is still the year that the Lord has made. God's will will still be done in 2020. Right? Nothing has changed. God has not changed his mind concerning you in 2020. His plan for you for 2020 still stands. Hallelujah. And I want you to know that that's a powerful message that I want you to note in case the enemy is, is messing with your mind. What is changing, however, is your control of things. All right? Your agenda might be changing. All right? Your methodology might be changing. You know, you know, because we all have a box where put God. You know, even though we say we trust him, oftentimes we put him in a box. I believe that that is changing. We are all, you know, sometimes we've set criteria on how God should walk, how God should do things, on how God should move. I think God is turning that around. God is upending that for many of us, and I think... This is an opportunity for us to reaffirm our faith in God's ability to still do what he has planned to do. Hallelujah. You know, because the God we serve, it's very important to note this, the God we serve does not need perfect condition to fulfill his will. He has never needed one. He has never needed a perfect scenario, everything going on perfect to fulfill his will in our life. You can even sit down and look at your life. You can just sit down and take, a, you know, take an inventory of your life. Many of the things God has done in your life hasn't been because things were perfect. It hasn't, things be, it hasn't been because things just follow the normal order. All right, so God can win no matter what. You know, Gideon was going to face a, an army of 120,000 people with 30,000. He started with 32,000, actually. He started with 32,000. I mean, so he was already at a disadvantage, you know, and God said, this is too much, all right? And God said, tell people who are afraid, tell people who have just gotten married, tell them to leave, all right? I'm sure he was expecting maybe 2,000 we leave. What happened? 22,000 left. He was down with 10,000. And God said, even 10,000 was too much. Uh, and God gave him a test to go drink water in certain ways and, uh, you know, to weed, to weed out people. He ended up with 300 people. Just imagine. 
from 32,300 people, and he was still going to fight. Yet, he still won the battle. So God has never needed perfect condition. So I want to let you know that God might be pulling the rug off you. You know, we sing that song, you know, I'm sorry, I have come with my agenda. I think God is probably answering that for many of us. You know, that prayer we are saying, God, have your way. God might just be answering that prayer and say, you know what, let me have my way. Let me have my way in your life. So I, if you have been responding by being frustrated, and, and I want you to be careful. Be careful how you respond. So are you been responding by just being upset? You know, being mad, being frustrated, angry, fighting everybody because your plan all of a sudden has changed. You know, your plan to do your party, to do your wedding, your plan for how you're going to, you know, arrange everything for the whole year, how the income is going to come, how things are going to stack up, how things are just going to work out. You know, you have your workout plan, your gym plan. You know, you have all this plan. All of a sudden, God is just pulling all those things up. You know, are you going to get upset? Are you going to be mad? Are you going to just take it on everybody? Are you going to act like Martha? You know, we're just going to get upset at Jesus and say, don't you care? You know, or are you just going to be still? You know, and that's a very, very important question. The question I have for you is, can you still trust God even when you are not in control? Can I trust God that the outcome will still be the same? even when the process gets messed up, when I can't control the process. Can I still believe God, even in the midst of what is going on, that is planned for me, for my life, for 2020, the promises that he has made for my life, still holds? I want to let you know they still hold. But it's important how you respond. It's important the condition of your heart. It's important the kind of attitude you display. will show us whether you truly believe God or you've always believed in yourself, just camouflaging it as if you believe God. And that is really what I want to talk about today. Are you able to fully rest in God's ability to accomplish his plan without following your own timetable? And that's my challenge for you today. That's what I want you to take out of this service. Hallelujah. Uh, so I want to uh, share something that, I, that is so fundamental. It's a very powerful message of the scripture from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. So Hebrews chapter 4 is what I'm going to dwell on today. Uh, all right. Uh, I will read a few verses there. Uh, and I, you know, I will actually read verse 1. I will read verse 9 and I will read verse 10. Just to tell you, to introduce what I want to talk about today. It's a powerful truth, it's an important truth, and I want you to pay attention to it. It is called the plan of rest. God's plan for us is to rest in him, to trust in him, to depend on him. It's very, very important. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. He's saying, like, you should be very careful that you are not living your life based on your own efforts, 
because when you live your life based on your effort, you are going to, you know, you're not, you're going to have a very frustrated life. What I'm sharing with you today will help you to deal with disappointment in life, to, be, to deal with missed opportunities in life, to deal with those things that come with life. You see, people who really put their trust, their hope, and rest in God, they are not shattered by those things. They are not completely messed up because things just don't follow the plan that they have. You know, because they have entered into the rest of God. Verse 9 says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. You know, people of God are supposed to be people of rest. Look at verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself ceased from his own works as God did from his. I'm going to go, come back to this, but I want to just walk you through the journey. I want, first of all, the first point I want you to note is we, as human beings, we were created for God's rest. You know, we were created from rest, and we were created for rest. Uh, let's go to the book of Genesis and see what God created. In the book of Genesis, God, you know how God created heaven and earth. I mean, that's a story that you know, but I'm going to walk you through. You know, from day one, God created day and night. God created the sky. God created, separated, created the water. Day three, created land and sea. He created vegetation. You know, day three, day four, he created light and the sky, the moon and the star. He created all that. He created the sky and the sea on day five, on day six. He created all the creations, I mean, creatures of the ground and all the animals on the ground, and he created all that. So he created everything in six days. At the end of the sixth day, God created man. The end of the sixth day. I want you to watch this. This is very important. So, and on the seventh day, all right, the Bible said God rested. So God rested from all his works. Uh, and the first day of man was the day of rest, all right? The seventh day of God is the first day of man. So God created man to, first of all, enjoy his rest. It's very, it's mystery, but it's important. It's important because it's going to explain some of the other things that happen. Uh, so God created us to rest, to trust in him. So the first day that man spent on the surface of the earth was a day of rest, Adam and Eve were not necessarily supposed to create things. They're supposed to rest on what God has created. In fact, if you look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord gave him an assignment. Rest doesn't mean not working at all. You know, God gave him an assignment. He said he took man and put him in the garden of Eden to walk it and to take care of it. Now, the garden was already made. So God gave him uh, an assignment to take care of the garden. But it was a restful assignment because the work was completed. Hallelujah. Now, look at what happened when sin came. When sin entered into the world, you're going to go to Genesis chapter 3 now. Sin robbed us of the rest of God. And sin introduced us into a life that is driven by our effort. And look at what happened because of sin. Genesis chapter 3 verse 17 18 and 19, and to Adam. This is the curse God placed on Adam. It's God said to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, through your painful toil, 
you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. So it became a painful toil. Look at what he said in verse 18. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plant of the field. I want you to read verse C, verse 19. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And since you were, it, it, from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. He said, from the sweat. So it's just simply said, life will be difficult. You will depend on your effort, and even that effort will not produce much. You know, that is completely different from Genesis 2.15. Genesis 2.15, God created everything. Just keep it and work it. Take care of it. It's going to grow because it is my work. Look at, look, look at what happened now. God now said, you're going to now depend on you. You're going to struggle. You're going to do all these things by yourself, and you're still not going to get results. You know, you're still going to get thorns and thistles, and, and it, life is still going to be difficult. Now, God, the gospel came to change all that for us. And that's very, very important. Now, in the Old Testament, many of us understand the concept of Sabbath. Sabbath was given in the Old Testament as a shadow of that rest. It was a foreshadow. But Sabbath never quite actually fulfilled that. We all know that the laws given never truly fulfilled the intention of God. Uh, we know that. We know that the law in the Old Testament was just a stopgap, was given as a temporary thing, you know, but they were shadows, really. They foreshadow the reality of rest that was coming through Jesus Christ. Praise the name of Jesus. So, you know, the Sabbath was a shadow of God's rest. So we know that God gave them, you know, you work for six days and you rest for seven days. That's what the Lord did. Uh, you know, so, but it was a shadow. He never quite fulfilled it. In fact, if you go to uh, verse, you know, I'm going to read a few verses there. That tells us, you know, if, if Joshua, Joshua represents the old covenant, had given them rest, God will not be promising us another rest. So God is saying here, the Sabbath never quite fulfilled God's plan of rest for man. The Sabbath never did that. Even though Sabbath was a physical rest, the true rest is a spiritual rest. The still true rest is resting in God, resting in God's ability to fulfill his will in our lives. Praise the name of Jesus. Very important. So if you look at verse 8, the Bible says, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. That, so the Bible is saying here, God is still saying, we must enter into his rest. That is, we must live our life not depending on our strength, on our devices, on our ability, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, I would, he would direct your path. I believe that scripture captures what I'm talking about almost perfectly. So the rest we're talking about is the resting in God's promise, God's ability to complete his will, to fulfill his will in our lives, even despite what is going on around us. And God has a good record of doing that if we can trust him. Praise the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. So the promise still remains because the old covenant did not fulfill that promise of rest. So God is inviting us back. I believe this is an opportunity for us to really retrace our step and say, you know what? This is an, an invitation for me to truly enter into the rest of God and begin to trust him fully, you know, to accomplish what he wants to do in my life. Hallelujah. So that's important to know. So Jesus came to give us rest. All right? From a life driven by human effort. You see, a life driven by human effort is a frustrated life. You're going to be filled with disappointment. You know, people are going to disappoint you. Life is going to disappoint you. Things are not always going to go the way you want or the way you think, the way you plan. Things like what is going on around us, we always happen. It doesn't have to be coronavirus. We, do, we go through this even on a personal basis all the time. And sometimes that's why we are frustrated, we are mad, things don't work out. We are always in a mode where we are fighting, we are applying human efforts. You know, we age too soon, we are not at peace, we don't enjoy our life. You know, we spend all our time because we are trusting. And you know what is going on? Human effort, we, we, we always still produce thesis and tons. All right, it will still always produce thesis and tongues. But resting in God brings peace. That is why the Bible says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is a life of peace. It's a life of joy. It's a life that trusts God regardless of what is going on. It's a life that trusts God even in moments of storm. It's a life that trusts God even when things aren't going on. If, if you are disappointed, things don't go the way you are, you lose your job. Somebody disappoints you. Somebody, you know, people betray you. You are still at peace. Someone who is resting in God knows that things don't depend on their human effort. Now, it doesn't lead to laziness. Not at all. You know, it doesn't mean you're not working, you're not, but you're not trusting in that. Because, you know, all your efforts, you know, we always produce thesis and tons. But resting in God, we bring God's blessing over your life. So I believe this is an opportunity for many of us to say, you know what, Let's, let me just relax. You know, because sometimes what works, up, what works us up is really we have plans. We have things to do. I have planned this my year. I have planned my year to go this, to go this, to go this way. Now everything is unraveling. Things are just completely in a mess. Now you are really in a mess. You know, you have, you know, you know maybe you lost money, you've lost business, you know, you've lost income or just time is just wasting away. You know, some of you, you are students. You know, some of our youth, you are thinking, oh, my God, I'm supposed to be visiting my schools. You know, I'm supposed to. No, 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 no. I want you to just relax. God is in control of your life. All right? It is not your effort that will take you into that school. 
that you want to go to. It is not your effort that will take you to that future that you see. It is not because, oh, you did everything right, you went here, you did that. So don't think this. A child of God will never for once believe this will hurt them, this will hurt their future, this will hurt God's plan for your life. I don't believe this will hurt God's plan for my life. I, I was telling my children, this is never going to hurt God's plan for your life. In fact, these, what the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. That is the attitude of a believer. And that's the attitude that triggers God's blessing, God's favor over our life. That's the attitude that brings, you know, God's prosperity over his children. And I pray that you will, you know, you will respond to this correctly in Jesus' name. So Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor. And a heavenly lady. But, you know, coming to Jesus is coming out of a life of labor. And what did he say? I will give you rest. Rest for my soul, for your soul. He said, my, my yoke is easy. My body is light. You see, coming to Jesus is an invitation to allow him to carry your body. To stop carrying everything on your head to stop worrying about every little details, to, to stop worrying about how things are going to go, to stop taking disappointment too seriously, to stop taking even betrayal. It's amazing what people go through over being betrayed by people. We go through so much pain, emotional pain, torture. You know, it's an invitation to say, you know what? People don't own your life, and people can determine God's plan for your life. You know, this event, you know, God has all that. And God that has all that, he has the whole world in his hand. You know, he controls everything. He wins no matter what. He uses every situation together for good for those who love him. So, children, if you're worrying about school, oh, this is going to slow me down. Now, I, no, 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 just relax, knowing that God is in control. That is what separates a true believer from someone that doesn't believe. And I pray that you will take this to heart in Jesus' name. So our goal is to enter into that rest. I'll take you to verse, uh, I believe verse 11. Verse 11 of that scripture says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. In fact, let me, let me try to read uh, before that. Let's read a little bit before uh, verse 11. I think I'll read verse 9. Verse 9 says, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Every child of God, there's a rest for you. you know, there remains a rest. There's a rest for you. Verse 10. For he who has entered his rest, as himself also sees from his works, as God did from his. You know, entering into God's rest means you stop depending on works. And this is applicable to every aspect of your life. Even your Christian life is not by works. It's not because you're strong, you're strong will. It's because you trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what the Bible says? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9, by grace you are saved, right? Through faith, it is not by human effort, so you can boast. It is by trusting. That your Christian life, you know, is by trusting. Your, you know, maybe it's your academics. It is not by human effort. We can apply it to your, you know, your career. It is not going to be by trusting in it. It doesn't mean 
you're not applying. It means you do your best, but it means you're not trusting in human effort. You're not depending that is my human effort that is going to bring promotion. The Bible says promotion now comes not from the east, from the west, not from the south. God is the judge. So because we put our faith absolutely in God, we are able to live a life of peace. Let us look at verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. So my invitation for you is to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. You see, disobedience always costs us rest. You know, and disobedience is talking about this is our inability to trust God. He's saying that the people in the wilderness, the children of Israel, many of them did not enter into that rest simply because they didn't believe. They they were too caught up in what is going on now. Now, God was taking them to Cana. God was going to take them. God had that plan. But because things were hard today, they already think that plan is finished. Because they were facing hunger today, they even were saying, you know, let's go back to Egypt. So they constantly, they just couldn't trust God. And the Bible says God swore that these people would not enter into my rest. You know, so, but, it, you know, that would not be our portion in Jesus' name. That's why the scripture is saying we should also be afraid, you know, that we don't enter into that rest. We don't live our life just thinking it's just, you know, just because of COVID-19, everything is finished. My life is finished. I have all my plan for the year. And you are angry. You are unhappy. You are really depressed. You are down. No, 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 no. That is not the life of a child of God. You can't enter into God's rest that way. So the Bible is saying let us be diligent to enter that rest. Lest any of you fall according to the same example of disobedience. Verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the earth. The word of God, you know, is so critical in helping us. And that's why we have been saying it, stay calm, stay safe, stay clean, and stay sanctified. You know, sanctified simply means you bury yourself in the word of God. You renew your mind. You go back to the word. What does the word say? What does the promise of God? There's a promise of entry into that rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. And that's why he said the word of God is the key to enter into that rest. There's no creature eating from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who we must give account. So I want to challenge you today, labor to enter into that rest. Seize this as an opportunity to enter into the rest of God. And if you're there, you've not given your life to Jesus Christ. The key to rest is Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor. Maybe you're laboring, you're stressing. Maybe you are joining us today because you're stressing. I'm not saying you have not been going to church. You might have been going to church, but you don't truly have Jesus in your heart. You've not fully entered into that rest. I want to invite you. This is an invitation to enter into that rest. And where you're sitting or standing or wherever you are, the good thing about Jesus is he's there with you. And you can accept that sacrifice today. So I want you to put your hands on your chest, and I'm inviting you. I want you to know there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to lose by accepting Jesus Christ. It's a very, very critical decision you're making, and I want you to take it seriously. 
So I want you to repeat after me as I lead you in this prayer. Put your hands on your chest wherever you are sitting or standing, and I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because of the invitation you are giving me today, the invitation to enter into your rest. Today, I no longer put my faith in my effort, my effort to save myself, my effort to live a life that you want me to live. I put it on the cross. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried for me. I believe that you rose again the third day because of me. And I confess today that you are my Lord and Savior. And I invite you into my life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.